Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome once again to Motivation with a Purpose every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time right here on TalkZone.com where we seek to help you to live and work with purpose. I'm Rich Hallstrom and once again my co-host Zeke Bambolo is right by my side. Zeke, we're going to have a powerful show this morning. Rich, I I like how, you know, in our intro, we talk about reaching people from all walks of life. And uh, I cannot see another show that we've done that probably really steps out there to exhibit a, a tremendous life story today. And really looking at someone else from uh, another part of life that, uh, that, uh, that goes beyond the norm in creating a very incredible environment. So I'm looking to hearing our guest today and seeing how he's going to share his life with us and some incredible stories that he has to tell us. And, you know, one of the things that we always talk about every week is inspiring stories from all walks of life. And I'll tell you this, Zeke, if this doesn't inspire some people to change today, I don't know what will. Because forgiveness and sacrifice and overcoming are all wrapped up in the story of Dean Smith today. And we don't want to give too much away right here at the top, but... If you have a friend who is struggling with the everyday uh, aspects of life, struggling with wanting to go on, uh, doesn't see a way to go on, doesn't see a way to get through um, unforgiveness or bitterness, this is the perfect show for them today. And we want them to be... We want them to be listening today. So if you have a friend or family member that doesn't know about Motivation with a Purpose but should know about today's show, get on the horn and get them to TalkZone.com. You can check us out every week right here at TalkZone.com. There are a couple other places you can check us out also. Check us out on our Facebook page, MWP Radio AM, or on Twitter, MWP Radio Man for all the latest updates on motivation with a purpose. But once again, our home is talkzone.com on the talk channel and also on the New Horizons channel. So join us every week right here for inspiring stories from all walks of life. Zeke, this is a this is a great story. I'm glad you found it. Hey, I have uh, to give he, he this is a great person, a good friend of mine. Uh and it was funny cuz uh when we ran into each other, he probably anchored his story a little bit more for us, but we ran into each other last year. It was kind of funny how we did that, and we have some very cool and very fun mutual friends. We happened to see each other at a speaking opportunity. We were both speaking at a conference. Looked at him, and he's like, uh, you're Zeke, huh? And I'm going, uh, yeah, and I'm looking at this guy, and sure enough, by the time the uh, a few minutes was over, we had really uh, reconnected on the friendship that we lost from a little while back, but this is a tremendous fellow and has a great story and uh, again we're it's going to rock the world of a lot of our listeners today no doubt well with that in mind let's get right to it zeke dean smith founded live to forgive ministries in 2007 now his mission is to spread the message of forgiveness and so far thousands of people have been inspired by his story to trust god with their unforgiveness and have been set free from its heavy burden based on his very personal story Hmm. and when i say very personal i mean very personal as it starts, as the story starts out, and Dean will pick it up for us, he was in the sixth grade and, res- and received some very earth-shattering news. He was about 12 years old and in the sixth grade. And with that, I welcome Dean Smith to the Motivation with a Purpose microphone. And Dean, pick up the story right from there and tell us all about it. I will. Well, first of all, thanks, Rich, for having me on the show today. What a blessing. What a blessing. It, this is awesome, you guys, what you're doing here. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Go ahead, Dean. So, so that yeah, I got, I, I'm sitting in my sixth grade classroom, and I get all of a sudden uh, called into the principal's office, which was actually nothing new for me because I'd gotten in trouble so many times as a kid. I was like, here we go again. 
And so I, I walk into the, you know, I go out of my sixth grade classroom, I walk into the principal's office, and right behind him is the pastor to the local church. And I didn't go to church, I wasn't a Christian, but I knew this guy to be the, the popular pastor of this small town I lived in. Right. And he, he, he walks right up to me, looks me in the eyes, and he's got kind of this sad look on his face. And he says, Dean, I need you to go with me. Uh, we need to go to the hospital. Something's happened to your mom. And my heart just sank. Uh, because to this point in my life, at the age of 12, uh, my mom was married to her fourth different uh, husband, and there was boyfriends in between. So my life was always changing, getting used to new schools, getting used to, used to new father figures and neighborhoods and what have you. And so my mom was my everything. I mean, my wow. mom was what I put all my love, all my faith into. I mean, don't tell me my mom's in the hospital. And so we, the pastor brings me to, to Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, Washington. And when I get there, my mom's connected to all the machines, and she just looks horrible. And <clears throat> that day was the day that I, I watched my mom take her last, her last breath. She died right there in front of me on February 11th. 1986, and what had happened was earlier that morning, Rich, my mom and my stepdad, Bob, got into a horrible argument, and in a fit of rage, Bob goes down the hall, he actually goes into my room, I'm at, I'm at school at the time, but he opens my closet and grabs the Christmas present I'd just gotten a couple months earlier, oh which, was a baseball, which was a baseball bat, and he walks back down the hall. And um, you can probably put the, the rest together in your mind. And what happened that day was probably only about a half hour after my mom was pronounced dead. I'm I'm eating. I I, I coped with eating, and I guess I still do. <laughs> and I went downstairs, and I'm, I'm eating in the cafeteria with an, I'm eating an egg salad sandwich. I'm holding it in my hand, tears running down my cheeks. And instead of taking the time to be sad, I'm just thinking about how angry I am, how furious I am that this man, Bob, took my mother's life. And I, I pledged to myself in this day this little vow, picture this little 12-year-old making a vow to himself that someday I was going to grow big and strong, and I was going to either kill Bob when he got out of prison or at least beat him within an inch of his life, but for sure revenge would be mine, and I thought it would give my mom honor to actually hang on to this unforgiveness. So, so how... So how long did you hang on to this and and just how intricately did you did you plan this revenge cuz that's exactly what what it was Well it's interesting that you say that because I bet there's some of your listeners on the line right now who who maybe they can't relate to um you know maybe someone being murdered or something but they can relate to having bitterness towards somebody right And right. although I, I didn't I didn't necessarily um get you know, paper and pen and draw diagrams of how I was going to do it for many years. And, and this is where I think some of your listeners may be able to relate is for many years, I just harbored this bitterness. And I remember just, you know, every week these thoughts, these really negative thoughts would enter my mind about Bob and it would just take away from my joy. My thoughts would lead me to these really negative emotions. And, and as a, as a kid, you know, I tried to just suppress all these negative thoughts, but it would come out in my attitude. It would come out in my relationships. In fact, when I was 12, you know, all of a sudden I have no parents. I was adopted by a pastor. That pastor of the local church that picked me up that day adopted me into, my, into his family. So all of a sudden I'm a Christian kid all of a sudden, right? And, right. I, you know, I believe, I believe in Jesus as my Savior, and I go to church all the time, and people would scratch their chin, Rich, and they would say, that dean... He's really come a long way, and on the outside, I look as happy as can be. But on the inside, on the inside, I was as mad as hell. And I didn't, pardon my French, but I didn't talk about it. I didn't cry and say, oh, this is so horrible. I just hung on to it. I just hung on to it and gritted my teeth. And then, you know, I just coped. I basically coped with it instead of forgiving uh, and in some, you might say, well, of course you did. Well, the thing about coping mechanisms when you don't forgive the people you're bitter with is those coping mechanisms lead you into more bad choices, more bad feelings, and more bad results. And so for me, in junior high and high school, I was just fine. 
I thought. You know, I was just ignoring the feelings on the inside. But when I got to college, that's when I say that um, all hell broke loose, if you'd say. And I needed something a little stronger to suppress that inner turmoil. You know, I'm not in the house of my, my loving pastor and family anymore. And I, got, I became a statistic, Rich. I, I got into drugs and alcohol. And I actually even got married at the age of 20. Now, you may take a, How long do you think that relationship lasted? Uh, about two seconds. Exactly. Exactly about two seconds. Somehow I thought I could have this loving relationship, this sweet, gentle, loving relationship with all this fury and anger and bitterness on the inside. And I, I just think there's so many people today that are trying to have loving relationships without dealing with the bitterness that they're harboring that, that undoubtedly um, makes its way and saturates the other areas of your life. So, you know, drugs, alcohol, my, my first wife, she leaves me, and, and she should have. I was a total loser, and I became a total loser in my own mind. You know, I, I was making decisions that I used to think only the, the lowest life people would make and go into addiction. And, and I got to a place, Rich, where I finally... You know, they say sometimes you have to get to the bottom before you're able to look up. And I got to the bottom. And one day, I just, it was is this really this crystallizing moment of my, of my life. It was just after college. And so now we're in my story. I'm in the, in the late 90s, and I just cried out to God. I cried out, and I said, Lord, I need your help. But I was honest with God. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't clean up and get all perfect before I came to God and say, yeah. Here I am, Lord. Now I want to talk to you. No, just the opposite, actually. I came really ticked. And I said, God, I, I know that I'm supposed to forgive, and I know that, it, that it's going to help me in all areas of my life, but I don't think I should have to forgive. I don't even want to forgive. In fact, God, I'm, I'm ticked off that I even have to do it. But today, I'm going to ask for your help. God, help me to forgive the man that murdered my mom. Dean, and this uh, began. This began a process. Dean, I, 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 this is Zeke, and I and I want you to before we get. To, I know you're going to give us even more incredible details of what you've done with this with this whole situation, which is why we have you on this show and why we're honored to have you on. But I want us before we get deeper into your story, you've given us a good highlight and a good preview already to what's going on here and the motive for this program today. Obviously, with the observation of Easter Sunday as well, but. I want you to do me a favor, uh, and I don't want us to go through this show as three men talking and kind of uh, isolate ourselves or sometimes exclude a certain a certain group of people. And I believe one of the things that we can do as a tribute today to your mother is to spend some time talking a little about women in this situation. Because a, lot, a lot of times we have this situation where we have a relationship, uh, but deeply we are isolated at the heart. And I want to just spend some time talking about your mother's life. And for women who are out there who may be listening, who may be in the, in the same place your mother was at that point in time, having a variety of relationships and so forth, how can we dialogue and pay tribute to your mother to today and, and point to the lives of women who are listening to this program right now from her perspective? Wow. Well, that's a powerful question, Zeke. I appreciate you posing that question. I mean, geez, why? I guess we would speak to the, the women who are maybe in volatile relationships or maybe dealing in a relationship now, but some of the issues in their life have, or in their past relationships or tormenting relationships they're in today. Is that what you're talking about, Zeke? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's talk about that. Again, again, my, my heart wants to touch those women as your mother's heart would have touched them. Because that's when I say tribute to your mother, that's where I want to come from. You know, you know what you saw in your mom. You know the things that you felt with her like being gone. And I want you to just pour into these women from that perspective. Great. Well, thank you for the opportunity. You know, one of the things is, you know, my mom always tried to, to, live, to, to live a good life. And I remember... There was one thing that I never understood as a kid, and, and only now as, as I'm growing do I'm, I'm understanding better, is my mom had a very um, forgiving heart. She had she always wanted to make things right, so to speak. But what happened was she found herself in a string of abusive relationships. And sometimes we can think that forgiveness means that you go back no matter what and reconcile, even if it's a harmful situation. And I know for my mom, she kept putting herself 
in, in her in her sweet heart to forgive, she would put herself in harm's way and and find herself getting hurt and re-hurt over and over. And I guess I would just want to encourage some women today that when I'm talking about forgiveness, and you know my my story is going to evolve, is that total reconciliation um, as far as being in the same room or hugging the person or being in a relationship with them physically or intimately or even emotionally, it takes two people to reconcile. And if one of the people is not repentant or doesn't turn from their sin or doesn't stop abusing or harming, then that's never going to be a loving relationship. And so sometimes we have to realize that forgiveness may be just something that happens in your heart between you and God and inside yourself where you can be free from the torment. But a relationship takes two people. So there can be forgiveness without there being a restored relationship. Because, again, restored relationship is like the tango. It takes two people. Does that make sense, Zeke? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I mean, and, 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 and the question there, too, is uh, you're speaking for them, too, for our ladies who are listening as well, you're speaking from the heart of a son who uh, still feels, obviously, with your story, that connection with the mother that's been long gone. And, and I, again, I, I use the word specifically isolation because even for a man I, I spoke last week again at uh, one of the events that you know the iron sharp and iron event uh, that we met at a long time ago Dean and and I spoke on the topic of isolation you know is isolation truly the devil's playground and the word isolation sometimes people think that when I'm in a crowd I you know I have friends whatever that you know we're not isolated because even in that situation you can be a very outgoing woman and, and a mother or what have you and still find yourself from a heart issue on a heart standpoint being completely isolated and not feel like connection and I even did that at one time when I felt on that you know the, the vicious things that was said to my wife at one time in my life uh, during our marriage our early early marriage were signs of isolation isolated at the heart even though we slept in the same bed and live in the same home and so you're speaking uh, as you go deeper into your story, I want women who are there to connect because you're talking as a as a son who misses his mother deeply and is yeah. paying some of that tribute back with your life right now and how you talk about forgiveness and the things that you're doing because you don't want others to be that isolated as she was in the midst of a crowd. That's right. That's right. And so, so yeah, and, and my, my mother is wanting to do the right thing. She found herself continuing to put herself in, in those abusive relationships. And, it, you know, I, I I guess that I wish she could have found forgiveness without having done that. And maybe sometimes we don't understand the definition of forgiveness. And, and for me as a Christian, forgiveness is found, you know, this is Easter time. It's found at the yes. cross of Jesus yes. um, for me as a Christian. So um, would you like me to continue with my story, Zeke, or is there something else you wanted me to touch on right there? <laughs> you know, we're 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 just continuing the dialogue, and you know, give us. Uh, I guess what what we can do there is just uh, we're gonna go to break pretty soon, so we don't want to get into too too much detail. But I guess the, the the prelude, I guess. I mean, you talked a little bit about that 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 pastor taking you into into their home, and you were just talking about a little bit of the anger that was eating you up inside. So I, before we go to break, if you can uh, give us a little bit more information, maybe about uh, just that time as you you mentioned, kind of get into college. And trying to to decipher where were you, where were you heading next, and before even the marriage, I know you just you talk about drugs and everything, but that college moment and the anger that you dealt with, how did you best? Uh, 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 how was you, what was your coping mechanism? You talk about drugs yeah, and everything. Well, well, it's funny, Zeke. I, I realized that that's kind of when you and I met was back in the college days, yeah. and uh, and I remember traveling over and seeing you in, in Montana, but that's neither here nor there, but. <laughs> For me, it was like if I could just avoid at all costs. In fact, if you asked me, Zeke, back in the college days, my college days, if you said, "Hey, how you doing? Or, how you doing with the forgiveness?" I'd say, or the bitterness towards Bob, the man that murdered my mom. I would tell you, "Oh, I'm doing fine. There's nothing there," because I, I, and maybe this is a guy thing, or maybe it's a human thing. I'm not sure. But if you don't think about it, it must not exist. I thought. Right. But when I would put my head on my pillow late at night and just lay there. And just be, you know, just me and myself and I, those thoughts would come up. And I knew in my heart of hearts that I was, I hadn't dealt with this heart issue. And I was angry. But if you ask me about it, oh, I'm doing fine, Zeke. What's up, my man? How's it going? 
I think there's a lot of people doing that today. Even, you know, they hear the show is going to be on forgiveness, maybe. And it's easy for us to justify and rationalize why we don't need to forgive someone. Or we maybe even immediately think of someone else who's got it worse than us and how they need to hear this message of forgiveness. And I, I would just encourage all the listeners today, man, if you've got any bitterness towards any any person in your life, I hope you'll stay tuned and and know that I think there's something in this show for you today. Really do. More with our more with our guest Dean Smith after the break on motivation with a purpose. You're listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is a wonderful Friday here, at least in Seattle, Washington. It's nice and sunny, but we have been uh, talking with a tremendous gentleman called Dean Smith. Uh, this is, as always, Motivation with a Purpose here on TalkZone.com, and we're talking about Live to Forgive today. So, Dean, we left off just talking about the anger and rage that was burning within you, but I want you to t- take him some steps, first of all, and talk to us about uh, the uh, relationship with your stepfather, and I believe his name is Bob. Am I correct? Yes, his name is Bob. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that part that you now become a young adult and you have this burning desire to, you know, to to for, for vengeance. Tell us, took us a little bit through those next few years uh, in terms of how that rage was eating you up and what that relationship with Bob, even if there was even an ex- an existing relationship at all. Well, so, what happened there? So, Bob was in prison. You know, he went to prison. And he would actually, uh, he would actually write me, you know, from prison. And so remember now, after he murdered my mom, I, I don't have parents, so I'm adopted by the pastor. So, you know, my pastor dad would bring the letter downstairs to me and say, you know, he, he called me son. And even still today, I, I call him, you know, my, my pastor dad, my dad, and he would say, son, um, your stepdad Bob has written you a letter. Do you want to read it? And I, I would say, absolutely not. It would just make me livid. And he would say, I think you should. And he would open it up for me. And he would basically just, we would just basically sit there and read it together. And I remember just nothing he could say would ever be able to pierce my heart. It it just all was a bunch of nonsense to me. Mm. And how could you even try to connect with me after what you did to my mom? I just thought talking to this guy would never be possible. Communicating him with him would never be a possibility. In fact, the only communicating I thought I would do with him would, would be to take his life. I mean, mm-hmm. to literally physically harm him. Dean, Dean so, I'm curious. As you say that, I'm curious, though, before you move on, could you, can you even remember slightly anything that Bob was saying in those letters to you? He would tell me that he thought I was a good boy. I mean, you know, I was you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 when he was writing me, and he would, he would tell me that, he, you know, I, I was an athlete, so he could get the paper and see that I was, you know, accomplished in sports or whatnot. And he would, he would compliment me on my sports accomplishments, or, you know, say that he'd heard nice things about me. I don't remember him ever saying he was sorry. Literally, you know, he would, he would say how he feels really bad and he feels, you know, horrible, but he never came out and said he was sorry in those letters. And so it was just. A bunch of nonsense to me, mm. truthfully. Mm. Yeah. So it, it, to, to me, it sounds like you felt a little bit, well, most of it was Bob self-medicating himself, and it wasn't him reaching out to you, uh, what do I say, authentically, to really uh, soothe you. Can I say that? Is it okay to say it that way? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds accurate. And, you know, I, I'm not sure, even if he would have said he was sorry, even if he would have worded it perfectly, you know, sometimes there's so much stone around your heart that it doesn't really matter what anyone says. Nothing's going to break through anyway. And so, you know, even if he would have got the words perfectly, I don't think at this point in my life and where I was in the forgiveness process, there would have been anything that would have made a difference. That's for sure. Dean, I have a question I want to follow up on uh, kind of the same line of questioning that Zeke is going down and ask you this. How did... Getting those letters from Bob affect the way you looked at how men were supposed to act and what a man was supposed to be. Amen. Man, I, getting those letters 
I, I think it just enraged me to the point of it just brought up the things that I was trying to keep down, you know, this fire that was burning in me. I was just trying to keep it down, keep it down. Don't think about it. Stay distracted, stay distracted. And it made me kind of deal with things. So I didn't learn much about being a man from Bob. I did learn a lot about being a man from my dad, who I still call my dad, who's, you know, who I, who's the retired pastor now. And his, his, man, his coming down every night with me and saying, hello, son, you know, how was your day? Tell me about what happened. And, and, and he would pray with me and he would listen to me and he would mentor me. And this went on night after night. And I had never had a solid father figure up until this point ever. I had an awesome mom. And now from 12 on, you know, I, I get this new dad who does nothing but so love and wisdom into me. And I learned a lot about being a man from him, actually, mm-hmm. to, to spend time with me and to nurture me on a daily basis. That's where I learned about being a man. Dean, I mean, as you continue to tell us about this relationship with your father, in this case now, that we, we've evolved into more of a, the manly role, the male, the male model of father figure in your life. Um, talk to us a little bit more about how that relationship with Bob, and what you, now you talk about letters you're receiving. You're not really buying to anything he's saying, uh, but yet it's sort of something brewing you, and so take us right on through that relationship into how you connected with Bob again. All right, so... You know, for me, it was like this this thing that I knew intellectually that I couldn't really steer towards my dreams. I couldn't fulfill my God-given potential and, and, and carry around this heavy burden of unforgiveness. I knew that. I didn't know it in those words. I didn't know how to say it like that, but I just knew it to be true. And, and so for me, like I said, I'd gotten so low. I was just a loser in my own mind, and I finally cried out to God. And what happened was I just started to ask God for help. And and this was not just in one day, and then all of a sudden the clouds parted and the choir of angels, hallelujah, it wasn't like that. Mm. But it was simply beginning the surrendering process and to say, God, I give you my bitterness and anger, but I need your help. I need help here. And, And realizing that I wasn't strong enough to deal with this this unforgiveness that was so so wild in me. And little by little day it wasn't in a day, it wasn't in a week, it wasn't even in a month, but little by little God began to give give me peace. And I remember getting to a point where I went to pray and I just wasn't there was no more anger to shake free. And I I remember like, oh my thinking the thought, oh my goodness. I've actually forgiven this guy. I, I don't have one horrible thought in my mind. And Zeke, I, I want to tell you a story. You know, there was something that I did when it was just a few days after my mom was murdered. I went back into the house right. um, to get all my stuff to start my new life. And I, I, so I go in the house, and, uh, you know, there were chaperones with me. And when they weren't looking, I just sort of snuck away. And I went down the hall, and I went into the room where my mom was murdered. Now, I shouldn't have done this, and uh, it was something I regretted forever, but I went in that room, and I looked around at this horrible, horrible scene. And the things I saw that day were so, so just so grotesque. And it was that thought, if I'm being honest, it was the thought of that room that really, really tormented me for a lot of years. And I, I even remember thinking to myself, I may be able to get free from a little bit, but that image, I'll never, ever, ever be able to be free from the anger that that image evokes. And what happened was, you know, I I would think that thought, even, you know, through high school and college, I would think about that room and the blood on the walls and the blood on the ceiling, and it would lead me to these these horrible thoughts would lead, you know, these of revenge, which would lead me to these these awful feelings of, of depression and anger which would lead me to making really bad decisions, you know, really, really bad decisions. And the more I began to let God into my life, and the more I I started asking for help, what happened was slowly, over time, instead of focusing on my mom's blood, what what God helped me to do was to focus on the blood of Jesus. 
and the blood of Jesus and thinking about what God has done for me started to lead me to thoughts of peace and comfort, which led me to emotions of, like, I can do this, of, of encouragement, which led me to make choices that were positive and, and led me to make choices where I helped other people, you know. And so that's one story I tell because I, I just feel like we all kind of have these images in our mind or these experiences that we think to ourselves when we hear inspiring stories that, oh, that's good for them, but I could never be free from this thing I've been through. And, and based on my experience, because if you truly surrender to God, and no matter what you've been through, it may not happen overnight, but you can be set free from the burden and from the torment and begin to experience peace and comfort. And so after I had forgiven Bob to the point of not being angry, you know, I, I start going to church. I stopped, I stopped doing drugs again. These didn't have, this didn't happen overnight either. You know, this was a, it's a process. And I often talk about forgiveness being a process, but um, there was just this unction on, on my heart. Um, over time, and month after month, there was just this this voice. It, it, you know, the Bible calls it a still small voice, but it's, it's not like you hear a voice like "Dean, you must do this." But it was just this 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 inner voice inside of me, like a thought that I should contact Bob, and I, that I should contact him, that I should contact him. And I remember, you know, you know, you know, really negotiating with God, you know, saying, "Why should I have to?" call this guy who murdered my mom, haven't I proven, and my self-righteous voice came out, God, haven't I proven that I have forgiven him completely, how great it is what I've done? And it was like over time, and then even reading God's Word, you know, reading the Bible and, and mentoring with my dad and other pastors, what I began to learn was it, it wasn't because I was supposed to prove my forgiveness, but because now that I had been set free, had an opportunity to help Bob forgive himself. Right. Dean, what was it, what was it like when you, when you really made that transition over the line to say, Hey, I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to follow these steps. And maybe there's somebody out there that needs you to crystallize those steps to forgiveness for them and make it a, and make it really simple for them. You know, they think of it as a big mountain out there today. I can't yes. climb up. I can't climb up that mountain today. But talk about this. Talk about the simple steps and connect and connect it to Easter because we see that picture of Christ on the cross, and he just simply said, "Father, forgive them because they know not what they do." Yeah. Talk. I'm really glad you brought that clarifying question up, Rich. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, it's the question is, how do you eat an elephant? And you just look at this elephant and you're like, this is just too big to eat. But the answer to eating an elephant is just one bite at a time. And I think the same thing for people who are who are on the, who are listening today, who have this huge unforgiveness in their life. Maybe it's a a current or a former spouse or someone that that betrayed them when they were little, or maybe it's even a coworker today. It's is that, you know, we, we come to, I feel like we, we try to deal with our unforgiveness and we come to God and we just want to be done with it. And we make this really big effort. Here you go. I give it all to you. And we just want to be done. And we see ourselves just throwing all of our unforgiveness at God and being set free completely. Woohoo! But that doesn't, that's, you know, a, a, having the opportunity to, to talk to a lot of people around the nation, that doesn't happen. But what, I mean, it doesn't happen successfully in, in my experience most of the time. But what a real portrayal of what forgiveness truly looks like is we come to God and we say, Lord, I want to give it all to you. Here, take it from me, take it from me, take it from me. And what we end up giving is just a little bloop, bloop, just one little bloop of anger. We just are able to surrender one little bloop of resentment or one little bloop of a thought of revenge, but what happens is, you know, in the Bible, Jesus says, cast your burdens unto me. Come to me, those who are weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. And I see it sort of like a transaction, Rich, is as much of our bloop, as much of our anger and bitterness and resentment that we'll give to God, he'll not only take it, but he'll replace it with his love and his peace and his joy. And so I see it 
to, to be specific but simple as you ask, is to come to God day after day and and give Him your one little whoop, as much as you can give on that day and know you're taking one bite of the elephant. And that's why I said, for me, all of a sudden I began to experience this peace and this joy. And it wasn't one day all of a sudden. It was little by little by little. And, you know, I believe that this is how God works. That as much as we'll give to Him, He'll give to us. And, you know, the Bible says this, if we move towards Him, He'll move towards us. And, and so that's, that answer your question, Rich. That sure does. What does it feel like to you, very quickly before we go to break, what does it feel like for you on a daily basis to experience that forgiveness? I want to say it the way the Bible says, because it's, it's joy unspeakable, that I can't, even when you just ask me that question, I feel like going, Woo-hoo! because I remember how distraught I was. I remember the feelings where I was gritting my teeth and thinking, cuss words towards this guy, and now I just feel absolute freedom to think about things I want to think about, like my dreams and my family and my potential and the things, the goals that I have for my life, and not having anything in the way, for me, like unforgiveness is to so many people, is, is the most freeing feeling in the world. More with Dean Smith on Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Yes, indeed. You are on Motivation with a Purpose here on TalkZone.com. And folks, there is nothing as incredible as the selfless and sacrificial love of Jesus Christ as we celebrate this Easter than to hear of another person talk about really making a decision that shows and exemplifies that selfless love in forgiving another human being. We sometimes we think God, Jesus is so far reached for us to get to. But we are talking today with Dean Smith of Live to Forgive, and he has given us some, just some incredible story about his life and what happened in his life. And I will pass this back over to you, Rich, to really bring us into this next segment of our conversation, please. Well, and we, when we talk about a story and we talk about Dean's story, there would be no story complete without the DVD by the same name, Live to Forgive. Dean, uh, I know that's a project that's really close to your heart, and one of the key components of that DVD that's been seen by a lot of people so far and continues to be seen by a lot of people is a scene in the airport when you go to see Bob for the very first time, tell us about it. Yeah, so, you know, what happened was Bob and I did reconcile on the phone, and we were friends on the phone, and, you know, I was a minister at the time, so I was really trying to help him receive God's forgiveness and telling him about Jesus. And, and this happened for about a year, and then all of a sudden he stopped calling me back. And for about six months he didn't, he didn't call me back until all of a sudden I got this call from a Tennessee number. I live in Seattle, he lived in Tennessee, and it's his girlfriend. And she didn't know who I was, but she asked me to pray for Bob because he had just attempted suicide. See, what happened was, you know, often, right now we seem to be talking about forgiveness in the, in the wake of forgiving someone else, but let's face it, many of us right now on this call are, are having trouble forgiving ourselves or receiving God's forgiveness. And, and for Bob, that's exactly what happened. He thought the, the burden of unforgiveness was so heavy towards himself, he thought life wasn't worth living. And so it was in this moment that, that I knew on the phone, and this was in 2008, that I needed to, to fly across the country and help this man and help save his life, the very man that murdered my mom, because God had set me free because of what Jesus did on the cross. I was able to go across the country and help him. And, and we were just so blessed that I happened to know a, a Christian filmmaker. We got a camera crew to go with us. And we thought what we were just going to do is shoot some footage and use it as a ministerial tool. But what happened was the footage we ended up getting was um, something that actually got the attention of some Hollywood people. And we made it into an award-winning feature-length documentary called Live to Forgive. So as I'm walking at the airport, I mean... It's, 
unreal, Rich, to think about. It's so surreal. I'm walking in the airport. The cameras are there. You know, they're catching this moment. My heart is just absolutely beating out of my chest, and I can see him, you know, you know, um, you know, 25, 30 yards away, and I'm walking him, getting closer and closer, and it's like every step I'm taking, it's like this reminder of what, what God has done in my life, you know, and I'm, I'm getting closer and closer, and I'm, I'm realizing that I would, used to be so bound, and here I am, every step I'm taking closer is like a representation of what God has done in my life, not only set me free, but empower me to be in Tennessee to help him, and, and I, I, I get close to him, and, you know, I'm not sure how we're going to greet each other, but wouldn't you know it, we just, we hugged each other, and we hugged for quite a long time, and it was just this uh, truly crazy moment to think that, that this is even possible. Even when I talk about it, I get choked up because I just think, wow, wow, God has done something so amazing, and I got to be part of it. I got to be part of it. There's, there's one other um, part of the movie, and it's, I'll just, I won't tell you all the details, but I'll, I'll tell you it's, it's one of those, oh my gosh, that's what God can do. It's, it's, we were towards the end of our weekend together, and we're in a hotel room sitting about three feet away from each other, and I ask Bob a question, and he doesn't answer me. He just goes on, and he starts to tell me something that you can tell has been on his heart for probably 20 years. And he says, Dean, the incident with your mom happened on a Tuesday, but I want to take you back to the Friday before. Mm. And he begins to tell me all the details. Friday, Saturday, my mom staying out late, the drug use, the back pain, the financial issues, the trouble with the kids. And he gets to Saturday, and he gets to Sunday, and he's telling me the details of Monday. My heart is absolutely beating out of my chest. Mm. And then he gets to Tuesday. And sitting three feet away from me, looking me directly in the eyes, the man who murdered my mother told me every detail about the day he murdered her, mm. including what her wow. last words were and how many times he hit her. I had never known these details. And here I am, and I am, I am just on the outside, you know, when, when people see Live to Forgive, they're going to see me looking pretty stoic on the outside. But I want to tell you what's going on on the inside mm-hmm. is I am scrambling, crying out to God. Lord, what do I do? God, what do I say? Lord, how am I supposed to feel? And it was just this, this absolute, after this initial craziness in my mind, it was just like God, it was like warm water pouring over my head is what it was like. It was just this peace and, and this assurance that God loves me. And, it, you know, it's awesome that it's Easter because the image I got in my mind was this image of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it was bringing me this peace that, that God loves me because he loves me because he loves me. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. And so I'm, I'm feeling this peace, and I'm looking at Bob, and he's telling me these things. And it was in this moment that I got this revelation that's truly changed my life. And I'm looking at Bob, and it was like, it was like this still, small voice on the inside that God continued to reveal to me. God loves Bob. And God died, and Jesus died on the cross for Bob, too. And there's nothing that Bob can do to make God love him less, and there's nothing that Bob can do to make God love him more but that God loves Bob because he loves him, because he loves him, because he loves him. And because of this process, I had made a choice to engage in this process of forgiveness, one bloop at a time. Lord, please help me. Here's my bitterness. Please help me. And in a true and intimate relationship with Jesus, over time, because of that, I was in this moment, at this place, hearing Bob say these words, and I was able to see him just like God did in this moment. I hated what he told me. I hated the details. But I was able to look at him and have compassion on him. And I, this is crazy for me to say, Rich, but I can tell you honestly and truthfully that in this moment I was able to look at him and I was able to love him. And when he was done telling me a story, man, I picked him up out of his chair and I gave him a big hug and told him I loved him. And I'll tell you, that was my moment of truth. And so you can't tell me, no one listening right now can tell me that their unforgiveness is too big for God. Because I've seen too much. I've been too far. And, and I would encourage anyone who's dealing with unforgiveness or bitterness, or if, even if you're not dealing with it, if you're just suppressing it, I would today, I would today encourage you to make a choice to say, 
all right, God, I, sur- I, I need your help. And start with that and, and always think about just the bloop. And I know that God will help set you free. And, and maybe there's reconciliation. I, like I said earlier to Zeke, I'm not sure that reconciliation is appropriate or practical in every situation. But I know that God is a restorer when two people are willing to come together. Dean, uh, people, first of all, before I get back to Dean here, please, you're hearing the heart of this man. You're hearing all of the emotions that are rising within you right now, and you're feeling it. And I would encourage you, go and get a copy of this documentary. Sit down, take a look at it with your family, whoever it is, and really ask yourself again about this whole question of living to forgive, not just others who may have wronged you, but there are things that he mentioned earlier, some things that we, we, we feel like we, are, we don't have the power, the courage to sit there and forgive ourselves for certain things we've done in the past. And you're right, you do not have the courage to do it. You do not have the power, but Jesus Christ has the power to do that. And so, Dean, I want you to put this in the greater perspective, because as you talk about this, and you talk about his documentary, and, and just me sitting here and, and visualizing what was going on in that hug and so forth. Not, not only are you saying, I'm allowing Bob back into my life, but now you're a father, you're a husband. You're allowing Bob back into the circle, your most inner circle. Tell us about that transition as well, please. <laughs> well, that's an interesting transition because, you know, just because I have, you know, I have purposely and on a daily basis, Ask God to help me in this area, but but I am sympathetic to realize that not everyone's been doing that in regards to the man that murdered my my mom. So you have my wife who you know just loves me and wants to protect me, and she has some you know she had some concerns. You know, you're letting this man get close to you again. Are you doing what your mom did and putting yourself in putting yourself in harm's way when you don't need to? Yeah. You know, and, and it was interesting to me because I think my my manly Christian leader guy wanted to come out and say, Molly, you know, that's my sweet wife's name, you know, to tell her she needs to, she needs to get with the program. And then and it was like God softened my heart and realized, hey, man, you know, everyone's in a different place in the in the process of forgiveness. And so I I I would say that I had more compassion with her and. I kind of talked her through it and told her, you know, the thing is, sometimes people say, um, I, I could forgive if if somebody says they're sorry to me, but at this time in my life, Bob had still never said he was sorry. In fact, he didn't say he was sorry till not that long ago. And so uh, my wife, you know, was having to, to uh, catch up with that. And even my friends were saying, are you sure you have to go all the way? And I'm not sure that it would be, like I said before, Zeke, it would be practical or appropriate for everyone to go this way. I just knew that God was calling me to do this, and that's why I could confidently stand in that and continue to move forward in the reconciliation process. Dean, how has this process affected your family overall? Because it seems like it has really galvanized your family and put you on this mission and made you an even more powerful father and an even more powerful husband. Am I right? Man, I, you know, you're absolutely right. And it's like when we get a testimony of how great God is in our lives, and for all of us, it's, it's different. You know, it's, you don't have to go through something like I went through to know how real and awesome God is. And so for me, as I've, you know, in my marriage, you know, we've been married, my wife and I now have been married 10 years, and we've got two wonderful children, and when we get to tough times, when we get to the, those those rough, turbulent times that every marriage goes through, and we've certainly been through many, is that, like, we know that we're going to make it through this because we've seen what God can do and what He's done in my life, and it, it has given my wife a greater level of faith. And, you know, and it's kind of funny, like, once you've once you've had an experience or a testimony uh, of, you know, in forgiveness, it's like you have no excuse anymore to, like, kind of hang on to bitterness. And so my wife will jokingly, if I'm starting to get frustrated with her, she'll say, come on, you did it for Bob. You know, she'll, she'll joke around, like, you can't be mad at me, Dean. you got to forgive me. And, and she's right. You know, and she's right. And it's, it's cool to think that God calls us to forgive not because he's a, a mean father, but he calls us to forgive because it's the very, very best thing for us. And as I've gotten that perspective, it's, it's certainly increased not just my strength to forgive, but also my motivation 
I want to forgive first and fast. Say thank you, Jesus. Dean, we have three minutes remaining in our program today, so I'm going to give you the floor and give you this time to say whatever God has put on your heart to share with our studio audience in our remaining moments. Well, I think that there's... there's Well, thank you, first of all, Rich, for that. And I think there's listeners here who... That there's been this little tug on your heart when you've been listening through something that Rich or Zeke or myself have said. And you're just like, ah, and I just want to encourage you that today, talk to God today is, is, is what I would tell you. And, and don't let another day or two go by without taking some action. Um, you know, and, and there's some of you who've actually been through, you've had an, an experience of forgiveness in your life. And for those people, I want to encourage you to share your testimony with someone you know who is writhing in unforgiveness. Because sometimes we just we just kind of we go through something great and we kind of keep it to ourselves. And God calls us to be cities on the hill, and that we're, that people will glorify Him because of our good works. And sometimes we need to share our testimonies of forgiveness, like I'm doing today, with other people, not only to inspire them but also to help them actually take that first step. And, and I would encourage everyone, not because, not just because I'm part of it, but the movie Live to Forgive that you can find at livetoforgive.com is an awesome ministerial tool. And as you watch it with your family, I, I believe that as we've seen it do for people around the world, it'll open up new possibilities and really help get you started on the path of forgiveness and reconciliation in your life. So, Rich and Zeke, I want to say thank you so much for having me. It's been a real blessing. If people want to contact me, they can contact me at, at livetoforgive.com or Dean. My name is Dean, D-E-A-N, Dean at livetoforgive.com. And um, just God bless everyone today. Dean, thank you for your inspiring story. For Zeke Bambolo, I'm Rich Hallstrom. Join us next week for another exciting episode of Motivation with a Purpose right here on TalkZone.com. 